Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Here's a cool fact a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact you can get short term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hey everybody, it's Ryan, I'm back, uh, episode, oh, I think this is episode 8 now, holy lord, wow, here we are, um, it's been a couple weeks, sorry for the delay, just, you know, life gets in the way, and as you know, us Aspies are not always the most skilled at executive functioning, so, uh, car- carving out time and planning and, and, and doing all the prep for each episode is not always, um, something I I excel at, uh, you know, working on it, but I've been working on that my whole life, so I don't know, we'll see what happens, but here we are, episode 8, I'm going to try to make this one not super long, but I probably always say that and end up being long-winded, so, you know, (laughs) strap in, we might be here for an hour, folks, today was kind of a big day for me, I, um, I had two appointments today that both were scheduled several months ago, or, you know, a couple months ago, maybe. Um, so if you've been following 
uh, I, I'm 43. I'm in the process of seeking a diagnosis of autism spectrum disorder or, you know, Asperger's, as I'm going to keep calling it, even though I guess they don't call it that anymore in the medical world. Um, but yeah, so I'm in that process. I started off with uh, going to see my doctor, my my uh, family doctor, told him about my belief that I am on the autism spectrum, requested a referral to somebody who could diagnose me, whether that be a psychologist or a psychiatrist, was told at that time that at at my family doctor's practice, what they do first is refer you to their in-house counselor to go talk to them. And then after that, you can get that referral to a psychiatrist. Went to, so it was of course a couple of months. I think it's been two or three months, maybe longer, uh, till I finally was able to get this appointment. Went in today to meet with that counselor. Had a great chat. Uh, you know, she was great. But at the end of it, she's like, well, I'm not the one that diagnoses this. So um, I, I had another appointment scheduled with a psychologist later today. That's one that I booked myself. So she said, well, go to that. And then, you know, if you need counseling, I'm here for you. Come back. But, uh, you know, you really do need to see a psychologist or psychiatrist for this diagnosis and everything else. So then I had my appointment this afternoon with a psychologist. I was given this name of a psychologist from the receptionist at my doctor's office. I phoned a couple months ago, made this appointment, and it was pretty messed up when I got there because I walked in, went to the receptionist at the psychologist's office, and they had no record of my appointment, didn't have my name on file or anything. So it was a little bit trippy. Um, I didn't react well in the situation. I didn't get angry or anything, but I got a little bit like I already was feeling some anxiety. There's a lot of buildup because this is like my whole life is building up to this. And, you know, when you've been not facing something for as long as I have and then you finally decide to face it and take steps and take action and then you make these appointments and it's hard to make these phone calls and schedule these appointments and then you show up and they're like nope we don't know who you are we're not expecting you we have no record of you're even supposed to be here and I'm like well I talked to someone here a couple of months ago and I've got it in my day planner I've got the time and the address and the doctor's name so I did speak to somebody and unfortunately the receptionist she got a little defensive, like, like, in this position of, I, I can't admit that I could have made an error or lost this appointment or something. So she's like, well, I don't have it written down. So you're wrong. And I'm like, well, I'm not wrong. Cause I did talk to someone. So you're, I kind of felt like they're treating, like talking to me, like I'm a crazy person. I just walked in off the street. Uh, it was pretty tense. I, I kind of, I could feel myself having a little mini meltdown, like just, just cause I was being made to feel sort of crazy and, and that was strange. And then the psychologist did come, come in and say, well, what's going on here? And I explained it to them about three different times. And then she wasn't supposed to be taking P 
people that day, but she said, you know what, like, come on in, you're here, let's talk. So I went in for an hour, we had a, a, a pretty decent conversation. Um, I'm not going to use anyone's names, obviously, because it is what it is, but, you know, I want to protect people's privacy. I don't want to also come across like I'm trying to be negative to anyone. I'm, I'm really not, I'm just simply trying to explain from my perspective how things felt. Hey, we're all humans, and I said that to the person I'm the last person in the world that's going to get upset with somebody because they were disorganized or lost something, lost a piece of paper, because I do that every single day, all day long. That's all I do. So I'm not going to get upset about that. It was more just, I got upset about, you know, if the person had said, hey, I'm really sorry, like, I don't know what happened. I, you know, there's an error, but let's fix it. Then it would have been great. But instead I was sort of met with, well, I don't, this kind of, idea of like I don't make mistakes so you are imagining this whole thing that you're supposed to be here anyway let's get past all that we're sitting in the office we have a good conversation uh I came out of there with this person definitely on board with my ADHD and maybe partially but not fully on board with my ASD but that's fine I you know I like I've talked about a couple times in in some of these books I've been reading and you kind of can expect that going into these conversations and I've spoken with other uh, people who have been diagnosed as adults that told me they would go meet with psychologists and psychiatrists and doctors and be told no you don't have that it's not that it can't be that it's got to be something else and then eventually they get to the person that's like yep no that's what it is so I think also like it's sometimes it's just getting to a person that is specifically trained in um, autism spectrum disorder that you know I don't know Anyway, it was a good combo. I won't really talk about the details of the conversation too much right now because they're still kind of swimming around in my head. We left it with, uh, I'm going to go back and see her again in a month. And in the meantime, make another appointment with my family doctor uh, to talk about the possibility of doing a 30-day trial on some medication for the ADHD Um, I'm also going to ask my doctor for a referral to a psychiatrist. I want to see if I can find somebody who's specifically trained in autism spectrum disorder. I'm going to try to do some research, see if I can find somebody in London or Stratford or Kitchener or somewhere close within an hour, hour and a half drive. If anyone's listening and you know anybody in, in London, for instance, like a psychiatrist or psychologist who is specifically, uh, trained or experienced in dealing with people with ASD and ADHD that would be awesome I would love that if you could refer that to me that person uh anyway here we are I'm glad those appointments finally happened so you know it's more appointments to make and all that stuff in the meantime I'm trying to work on some plans for some other things like just getting more organized in my day-to-day life trying to like schedule my days I did get a really good pointer from the psychologist today and she said, you know, instead of just writing your to-do list in the morning for your day, put times on it, put it in the order you're going to do it and put times on things so you're not just looking at a list and also like break down your tasks. So instead of just writing clean the kitchen, because she's like, you know, clean the kitchen isn't one task, it's it's 20 tasks, like it's all these different things because there's wiping the counters, doing the dishes, cleaning the floor, emptying the dishwasher, uh, putting food away or, you know, all these different things. Same with cleaning the bathroom. It's not just cleaning the bathroom. It's scrubbing the bathtub, the walls of the shower, cleaning the sink, 
cleaning the toilet, cleaning the mirror, cleaning the floor. So she's like, break these tasks down. So you're not just looking at a list that says clean the bathroom, clean the wash, you know, do this, do that. But you're breaking it down and then into time. So I'm going to try that. I'm going to start working on that. I'll let you guys know how it goes. Um, And then, yeah, I've got a a meeting back with her again in a month. I'm going to call my GP tomorrow. I've also got another local counselor who's like an independent counselor that has been recommended to me. Uh, we've been playing a bit of phone tag for a week or two now, back and forth. I just left another message with him today. So hopefully we'll we'll be able to connect soon. Apparently this person I'm supposed to go meet uh, has Asperger's himself, which is fucking awesome. Because I feel like that's who I want to talk to is someone like who has it. It's amazing. So that'll be cool. Um, but anyway, I wanted to just do a quick update for everybody. It's it's been a while. Um, I keep looking at my phone because I'm my phone is is in this weird place now. It's been a few years old, and it's like the battery doesn't last more than a few minutes. So I've got to have it plugged in all the time. But the power cord connection is also loose, so I have to keep checking that it's actually charging. So if everything just cuts out, that's why. Uh, anyway, I'm gonna do a quick Q and A because I just want to. Uh, touch base with you all and let you know how things are going and and talk to some of you about what's going on so I'm going to jump into this Uh, first question is from Rachel and it's do you put off something or associate depression with a task and you can't go back to it without massive effort Um, and then a little further down she says simple everyday tasks that tasks that neurotypical people do can feel daunting Getting dressed, bathing, cleaning, organizing, etc. can require huge efforts to tackle and huge in all caps. Uh, yeah, Rachel, thanks for the note. And yeah, I I feel that way 100% of the time. I feel like my daily life is just a, a constant struggle to just do like the most simple things that everyone else takes for granted. Like people just get up in the morning and they... You know, they make breakfast and they put do the dishes or put the dishes in the dishwasher and they wipe the kitchen down and they go get dressed and they have a shower and they pack a lunch and they and it's like all that stuff that's just so easy for people to do. I struggle with all the time. It's really hard. I find for me the biggest issue is if things are disorganized, it becomes this like overwhelming chaos to me that I can't handle. So my, the way I deal with that is I have to have everything super structured and organized all the time. And that's how I've lived in, in my life when I, when I live, when I in the past lived alone, my apartment would be, I would keep it organized and clean. Like it never, I would, I would, it would almost never get super messy. Like it would just, everything was in its place. Everything had a place. I'd make food. I would you know, usually, well, it's easy when you live alone to do dishes, so I'd do the dishes, I had, like, a big calendar on my wall for the whole year, I'd put 12 months of the year on a calendar on my wall, I had post-it notes on all the different days and activities, like, color-coded to, you know, personal, or work, or fun, or stuff with friends, or, you know, my laundry was in a hamper, like, I'd make my bed every morning, like, I was super organized, I had my own schedule where I'd get up every day at the same time, go for a morning walk, get a coffee, come home, start work, go to a yoga class at noon. I worked from home so I could walk over the yoga studio, go to a class, come back, go out into the, like make my sales calls in the field and then come home at night. And 
I just had a really great routine and it was like everything was organized and as soon as things sort of slip into disorganization, to me it feels like sort of an avalanche of chaos that I get buried under and I can't get out from underneath. It requires huge effort to get out from underneath that avalanche. And I felt like for the last couple of years, I've just been in this avalanche constantly of chaos. It's, it's really hard. I mean, I struggle when, when you live with someone else and you live in a tiny space. We have a very small home and you throw a three-year-old into the mix. I don't know how to get ahead of it and I struggle with it and then I can't keep up with it and it becomes a super stressful thing. And, and I don't know... Other people seem to just be able to do it, and I and I don't know how. And 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 some days, like yeah, it requires huge effort, like just to like have a shower or or clean something or just getting dressed. Sometimes is crazy. I mean, I I, I um yeah, it's all of that stuff. I mean, I find that one thing that I know does help for me, and I always try to work on, is like the less I have to think about, the better. So I get why. You know, you read about people like Steve Jobs or Mark Zuckerberg or someone who just like they wear the same thing every day. And I feel like I would love it if my life was like that. Like if I just had the same, you know, 14 t-shirts and the same pair of shorts, like a few versions of the same shorts and the same flip-flops and the same like three hoodies. I could just live in those clothes forever and be comfortable and never have to think about what I'm wearing. Uh, it, God, it just sounds like heaven. I can eat the same thing every day. I don't, it would never bother me. Um, it's just, yeah. So I get what you're saying. I do feel that way sometimes. I do, and I do get depressed about it and I have anxiety about it because it's, it's hard. When you feel like you're buried in simple tasks every single day of your life, it becomes, you know, how do you then have the energy to like tackle big things that can become really difficult? So, Anyway, Rachel, thanks for the note. Um, yeah, I hope if you, if you come up with any uh, things that work for you to help you get through this stuff, let me know. Share it. I'd love to find out because I've been working on this my whole life and I, I still struggle with it. Next uh, note is from Catherine. Um, did you suffer from depression and social anxiety? And if so, what age did you see these two symptoms getting more apparent or worse? Uh, yeah, that's, that's an interesting question. I, my memory's a little screwed up. I drank and did drugs for 20 years. I don't remember a lot. So it's hard for me to think about that stuff in childhood. I do know that I had depression and social anxiety as a child. I remember several instances of that coming to light. Uh, I remember a time in, in grade six when my teacher pulled me aside at recess and kept me inside and, and talked to me and and was telling me how I was just kind of moping around and wasn't engaging with everything and blah, blah, blah. And I look back on it now and I think that conversation, if it was had today, it would be a teacher recognizing that kid is dealing with like, has like depression or something. At the time, it was presented to me more like a blame thing. Like, hey, quit moping around. Get your, you know, perk up, kid. Get your shit together. Like, and... and that's kind of that's how it was presented to me like hey you better straighten up and quit moping around or or you're in trouble kind of thing instead of hey like I think you're depressed um uh so you know there were definitely I think yeah in my childhood there was depression there was anxiety for sure uh I had social anxiety the entire time I mean I remember in even in like elementary school you'd go to like someone's birthday party and and 
I would get such bad anxiety that I would be just sweating. And I'd be in the bathroom every five minutes getting toilet paper and like wiping my armpits and stuff because I would just be sweating so much. And I'd be sitting there thinking like, aren't, why aren't the other kids going through this? Like what, what is going on? But just getting that sort of flop sweat thing and just having this anxiety and like, you know, not knowing if people liked me and all that stuff and having a really hard time relating to everybody. And it just seemed like I'd be just observing all these kids talking to each other and laughing and joking around and having these conversations and everyone seemed like it was it, it was pretty easy for them to do that and I'd just be there like struggling to just find a way into a conversation or, or be able to talk to somebody or not be awkward and just always feel like I was fucking it up or saying the wrong thing or I'd, I'd interrupt when I didn't mean to or because it would take me a while to figure out what I was going to say and then I'd say it and then I'd interrupt and then or I'd say something weird and then people would look at me and, you know, all that. So I don't know if I can identify when <clears throat> it got more apparent or got worse. Um, because I think by the time I was in high school, it, this this kind of anxiety and depression was, was sort of full on. And I, um, uh, I don't know. I mean, I think I just got lost in other things like... You know, creative pursuits helped art and music and stuff like that, and writing and and just being alone a lot, but also uh, you know a lot of drinking, a lot of drugs, just all that shit. So I don't know. That's really hard for me to answer. I don't know. Um, I think those symptoms have been there my whole life. I don't know. I'm sure they kind of like everything go up and down, and you have times when they're better and times when they're worse. But I don't really know exactly. Uh, how to answer that, but, you know, there it is, do my best, okay, next question, this is from Kelsey, and she says, uh, I've been listening to your podcast, my brother is 20 with Asperger's, I've been listening to your podcast, and I'm so grateful to hear from yours and others' perspectives to help better support my brother through things he hopes to achieve. I want to ask you if I can contact you further in pursuit of this advice or if you had any recommendations, someone I could learn from. Thanks so much for your podcast. Uh, I'm interested in sharing it with my brother so he knows how not alone he is. That's an amazing note. Thank you. Uh, yeah. Uh, oh, she follows up because um, I replied back like, yeah, that's, you know, for sure. We'll, we'll talk. And, and then she said, thanks so much. Look forward to hearing from you. And I just listened to your most recent episode and I feel it speaks so accurately to things he has shared with me. He has struggled through school and with getting a job and with making friends and he's coming to stay with me. And I hope I can do anything to, I can help to build his confidence and help him succeed. Um, thanks again. So yeah, I mean, for sure. This is why I started this podcast. I wanted to connect with other people, whether it's people who are autistic or or think they are or are in the process of, of learning they are or just people like you who have people in their lives who are. And if that helps you understand that better, that's awesome. I mean, I, I feel really humbled. I've received a bunch of messages from people saying thank you for the, the things I've talked about on this podcast and how you know, a couple people have said like, Hey, you've articulated how I feel in, in like better than I could. And I appreciate that or something like that. Or just, you know, it's good to know other people are out there feeling the same thing. 
that's awesome. Um, yeah, your brother's 20. You know, I'm 43 and I'm at this point now where I'm just finally oh, like accepting this and, and seeking out this diagnosis and really trying to work on it. I wish I knew at 20. I, w- I really wish like, but you know, when I was 20, it was the 90s and no, we didn't know. It wasn't really out there like that. So, I mean, the only thing you you knew about autism in the 90s was Rain Man. And I wasn't like Rain Man, you know? So, uh, so this sort of milder or, or higher functioning autism or whatever you want to call it, Asperger's, I mean, it wasn't really out there like that uh, in the general public. It, you know, I, I wish it was. I wish at 20 I could have identified this and and gotten help and learned ways to live and make my life better instead what I did is I drank for 20 years because I didn't know how to function and the only thing that made me uh forget was um booze (laughs) crazy right um good luck let's keep in touch I definitely want to hear how you guys are doing and keep in touch and I hope you keep listening and, and write in and if you guys ever want to talk uh, on the podcast, like, and so other people can hear it, I would love to do that as well. Um, yeah, that's cool. Let me look for other notes here. Mm. Okay, I had another. Sorry, I'm just trying to find my my notes here of. Uh, Uh, so someone else, um, trying to find the exact, sorry guys, someone else wrote in and I can't find it right now, but I can't find the name. So sorry, but someone just wrote in like, how did you know that you are autistic? And this is like a question that comes up a lot and it's, I mean, this is like like the two conversations I had today with the, with the counselor and with the psychologist were about this exact thing. How did you know? And it's like, well, all the things that they talk about, um, and this is it. It's like I'll go I'll go do like you know, one of these books I've got or something or online. I'll do like a checklist, and it's like thirty symptoms of autism and you know of high functioning autism or Asperger's or something, and and I'm like checking twenty six of those thirty. So it's like. How I knew is I, maybe over a decade ago, I remember I remember reading an article, I think it was in a magazine or something, it was written by somebody with Asperger's, talking about their experience in their life, and I remember reading this article and just thinking, my god, like that's, I can relate to that, that's, I could have written this, that's exactly what my experience is like. And actually, I'm trying to, I'm thinking back to the apartment I was living in when I read this article. And this is like, I lived in that apartment from 99 to 2001. So we're going back over 20 years. So I've kind of known this for over 20 years. Um, But I don't know why I've just denied it or or not accepted it or not faced it. I've talked about this before, but a big part was... um, thinking that I was somehow smart enough to to deal with it myself and that I didn't need help because I was just gonna I'm, I've always been very independent thinking and 
and um, intelligent and creative. So always just figured I would, I could figure it out. Uh, and it's this year that I've just just admitted to myself that I can't figure it out. I need help. Um, I guess that's kind of like, you know, like an AA, you have to surrender yourself to a higher power. Um, and I, I don't know that I'm necessarily doing that, but I'm surrendering myself to knowing that I need help. I can't do this myself. Uh, whether that help is in the form of simply being educated about it and then being able to educate my family and friends so that they can help me or they can help me function or whether it's help in the form of professionals like a psychologist or counselor or psychiatrist who can help me give me tools to use to help my life make more sense whether it's help in the form of medication for the ADHD or whatever that's going to look like I don't quite know yet but I do know I need help. I do know I can't do it alone. I do know that if I keep trying to do it alone, I will keep failing because I've been trying to do it alone my entire life. Um, but yeah, that's, I mean, those are the, you can go online and look up the symptoms. I mean, I just Googled one right now and it's like this article, it's 10 symptoms of Asperger's. So I'm going to go through it because it's like, um, here because i i'm checking i hit yes on all of these so when i read these things i just go oh yeah this is it so here we go this is just some random article i pulled up online 10 symptoms of of asperger's one underdeveloped social skills so it says here you know difficulty forming friendships difficulty acting socially appropriate uh find it especially challenging to have conversations with people they don't know i mean this is like i'm clicking yes to all of this uh i have a huge difficulty forming friendships I, I you know I don't know how many friends I have it's definitely countable on one hand um I always feel like in social situations I don't know how to act I don't know what's appropriate I don't know what other people are doing or thinking or you know and and having conversations with people I don't know I mean I've talked about this before I've 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 climbed off balconies to get out of parties because I didn't know people and I and I just got so like I, I don't, I couldn't talk to anybody and then I'd start feeling, I'd be feeling anxious and then I don't know how to, I don't know how to walk up to people I don't know and just be like, hey, what's up? And I, I, I know people that can do that and I'm so freaking envious of that skill, but I'll never have it. I just don't know because I don't like the whole small, small talk or, hey, how you doing? Or I don't get it. I, if we're going to talk about a to- specific topic, like if I know that you want to have a conversation about 90s hip hop holy shit buckle your seatbelts let's fucking go for that ride because we're gonna have an awesome conversation but i don't know how to just talk to you about anything else i really don't so anyway that's one two difficulty with nonverbal behavior eye contact hand gestures facial expressions yes yes and yes i hate eye contact i've had to train myself my whole life how to do it because i know you have to do it in this world but i don't like it it's it's weird to look at people's faces i can't think when i'm doing it it's a struggle facial expressions i have very a lot of difficulty with i have difficulty reading them i don't know people make expressions and i don't know how to read it i'm like i can't tell right now if you're joking or angry or i I just don't really know i see your face moving and I, i unless you tell me i don't really know what you're thinking same with hand gestures so 
um, it's all of that with, 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 with communication. Like I, you know, it's even like tone of voice and things. I mean, I guess that's part of verbal be verbal, but, but that I struggle with people change their tone of voice in a conversation and I get lost. Uh, number three, trouble expressing emotions can come across as insensitive or uncaring, uh, due to difficulty giving socially appropriate responses, unemotional style of speech, um yeah i mean i don't know this one i i think i i can express emotions okay sometimes but other times i I struggle with it i mean we all do i know that but i i think that's what causes like meltdowns occasionally because i'll I'll be trying to express things and then i don't feel like i'm being understood or you know it's just yeah it's a challenge um number four lack of coordination awkward clumsy uh tripping and falling and dropping things frequently often mistaken for carelessness yeah this is me 100 percent. i am constantly bumping into shit stubbing my toe banging my knee on things knocking things down with my elbows and shoulders when i'm walking around bumping into walls miss uh you know like going around a corner and like banging into the wall bouncing off stuff i feel like a pinball sometimes walking around this world I, i i really struggle with it i drop things all the time i break shit i'm clumsy uh, I'm tripping over stuff. Yeah, it's a big struggle. It's, it's just all the time. And, and, you know, due to that, I was never, never really able to play sports as a kid. I, I, I just couldn't do it. I, I, I just can't. I can't catch things. Like, if you throw something to me, I can't catch it. My eyes don't focus. Like, I can't see where the object is. And you've, you'll throw me something, and it'll hit me in the chest and then fall to the floor before my hand is up to, like, know where it is. It, so it's funny because sometimes you'll be like a party or something and or you're somewhere and someone's like, here, man, catch. And they're about to throw something to you. And I have to be like, no, 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 don't throw it. Don't throw it. Because whatever you're about to throw, like it's going to just hit the ground. I can't catch. So anyway, stupid shit like that. But yeah, super uncoordinated. Um, number five, fixation on rituals and routines. So wanting a fixed schedule, uh, even little things like always eating the same thing first or, or you can get agitated if your routine is disrupted. Yeah, this is this is... This is something for me that I think I talked about earlier. It's, um, it's been a real struggle uh, to be able to really have routines and rituals uh, for the last couple of years, and it, it's been something that's really kind of messed with my head. Uh, I, I, I do, I do like having a fixed schedule and like knowing what's happening, knowing when it's happening, knowing what's coming up, being having time to mentally prepare for what's coming up getting in that routine so my brain gets used to it and like knows what's happening and when it's happening and how it's going to happen and who's going to be there and how we're going to get there and who's going to do what and so those things get really crazy and and when when the when when things are when that routine gets upset yeah I, I struggle with that I don't I don't really feel comfortable and and, and I, I can have had like meltdowns in the past and, and things like that um, and, and not great responses to those situations. Uh, number six, limited range of interest. So genuine interest in only a few things uh, and you may appear obsessive about those things. May commit to memory huge amounts of info and knowledge about those interests uh, and can be uninterested in other things that aren't in your special interests and, and this can seem bizarre to others. Um, yeah, I'd say I have limited range of interests and, and also those interests sometimes cycle. Like I'll just get into something for a period of time, maybe a year or two, maybe six months. I don't know. I'll, I'll, I'll discover a topic, find an interest in it and I'll devour everything I can about that topic. Uh, so 
I might discover a topic and then all of a sudden I'm, I've read 20 books on it and I, I want to know everything about it and then and then I kind of am done with it and then I'm on to another topic um, and in my case these topics can be like really random um, one thing I've just always had like an obsessive interest in is like uh, 90s hip-hop because I grew up in that era and I, I was more than just like listening to the music like I would study the liner notes and know who produced what and who featured on whose record and what label it was on and who owned that label and what producer worked for this label and that label and produced this group before they produced this other group and co-produced this other album with this other guy who produced this other group and the rapper from that group used to be a DJ for this other guy just knowing all these random facts and knowledge and like I could have a conversation with somebody for hours about this stuff and I know for most people it's not interesting so like it's like who cares but for me it's like I just want to know everything about it I still to this day like discover information about that and I like download it to my brain and get like a little kick out of that I don't know what it is it's just that's an interest I I I, I that's been a lifelong interest for me since I was a teenager it hasn't gone away so which is strange but I've had other interests that have sort of cycled in and out but it's like, how do you make money on that? It's like weird. I, I, I think other people with Asperger's, like I, I, I sometimes am envious of the ones that develop a special interest in like computer coding or engineering or, or robotics or, or like, oh, I'm just going to be obsessed with playing the cello and then devote my life to it. And next thing you know, you're traveling the world in symphony orchestras because you're one of the world's greatest cellists because you're, a, uh, you're obsessed with that. You know, I, I, I kind of wish at some point I developed some kind of obsession that could make me money like being a, a, a app programmer at Google or something weird like that but unfortunately I just always get obsessed with like weird obscure underground music or just stuff that you know there's not really a market for... just a sec Sorry, I thought there was someone at the door. Uh, yeah, there's not really a market for, like, people with obscure underground 90s rap knowledge, unfortunately. Uh, maybe there will be one day. Number seven, erratic behavior. May speak or perform actions repetitively. May be unpredictable. May have mental breakdowns. Um, yeah, I've got a lot of erratic behavior. Like, I I've, uh, do sometimes repeat myself and... and do repetitive actions definitely unpredictable i mean I, I sometimes like get surprised by decisions i make or things i do or and mental breakdowns yeah i've had mental breakdowns my whole life um i don't know how how to describe it it's it's yeah it just happens sometimes it's like this overload it's like well it's like uh, when you your your electricity overloads and and it blows a fuse you know, it's like that. It's like your your nervous system or your something, your brain, I don't know, overloads with sensory input or emotions or a, a combination and then it blows a fuse and it, it just, you go into this like meltdown, shutdown kind of mode. Uh, yeah, I don't know. So that happens. And it sucks when it happens. And then, and then associated with that can be a lot of like guilt and shame when that happens because you just, you... you you feel like you're not in control or maybe you, you you you're just ashamed of who you are because you can't keep it together or, or, or something you just you, know, you feel like a crazy person or you feel like other people think you're a crazy person and I guess kind of you are a crazy person so what are you supposed to do 
Uh, eight, self-absorption may come across as self-absorbed, may seem uninterested in other people's thoughts and conversations, may have problems showing empathy, may zone out when others are speaking uh, or ignore attempts to include them. Um, yeah, so for sure. I mean, I can see how I've had people tell me I was self-absorbed before in the past. I've had people tell me I was like, a, it's funny, like people that I, you know, barely knew, but like maybe told me like oh yeah back in high school like you were a snob and i'm like what why because well you never would talk to me and i'm like i didn't i didn't was not a snob like i was the last person in the world who was a snob because it's it's being a snob is not a logical position to take so i wouldn't take that position of thinking someone's better than someone else for uh like material or or surface reasons like i I don't i don't do that i don't think that way but i i do have um I can just get lost in thought and zone out and it's not anything against someone else. And also I had a lot of anxiety. So in social situations, I might not talk to people I didn't know well enough because I, I didn't know how to, uh, but yeah, I can see how, you know, you do get, you, you can get sort of caught up in your own hyper interest things and, and feel like appear uninterested in other people and, and, yeah, I think that can happen sometimes. It's something I make an effort to do, but I, you know, I don't know if I succeed at that all the time. Uh, number nine, unusual communication style may speak in flat or monotone ways or, or, or literal use of language. Uh, struggle to distinguish humorous statements, sarcastic remarks, uh, nuances of speech and tone. Um, I'll add to this one also, like I've seen it in other places, like sometimes speak in more formal ways. Um, I do this because I work in a restaurant and, and when I speak to customers, I, I speak in a, I, I can hear myself speaking in a more formal way than I normally do. And it's just, I mean, part of that's just service, but it's also, I'm, I'm more formal than the other servers where I work. Uh, but it's just part of like this program that I run in my own brain for serving. And, and uh, I, I, because I don't feel like I do it naturally, I, I, I maybe go over formal, um, uh, speaking in flat monotone. I mean, I, I, I don't know. I may do that sometimes. I'm not really sure. Uh, literal use of language. Like, yeah, this is huge, especially in understanding language. Like I take things very literally and, and struggle when, when people, uh, aren't speaking literally. It can get very confusing to me and frustrating and struggling to distinguish humorous statements. Yeah. This happens all the time. I'll be in conversations with people and all of a sudden everybody's laughing and I don't understand why. Like somebody says something and then everybody laughs and then everyone's looking at me because I'm not laughing and I'm just like, I don't, oh, that was, oh, that was a joke. Okay. Cause I didn't, I didn't, I didn't get it. I, I you know, sarcasm also, I don't get often cause it's like a, those nuances, the nuances of speech and tone I, I touched on earlier. I just, I struggle with them when people change their tone in a conversation. Uh, I, some I may not notice it, or if I do notice it, I often get confused by it because I don't know exactly what it means. And then number 10, uh, extraordinary cognitive or creative ability. So uh, normal or above normal intelligence uh, and may excel at creative pursuits like painting, music, or, you know, I, I add to this writing, uh, uh, could have sharp memories or, or easily grasp difficult concepts. Uh, some may have natural talent at mental games like puzzles or crosswords. Um, 
yeah, I, I, I can, I mean, I, you know, looking at these things, like, yeah, I do have above normal intelligence that, you know, I've, I've done several uh, IQ tests and did the online stuff for like joining Mensa. So, you know, being in that sort of top 2% of IQ, uh, whatever that means, um, from a young age, I could, I could draw, uh, pretty well. I, I can draw, I still can, like I can, I can draw a pretty realistic picture from, or sketch from, from, from a, a photograph, uh, and, and then writing, like I, I, I'm, will acknowledge that I, I, I think I'm a gifted writer. I've been told that my whole life and had, had teachers in, in school tell me that, um, sharp memories, um, yeah, I think I, I think I I think my brain naturally has a good memory, but I think I've I've fucked that up over twenty years of um, destroying brain cells, unfortunately. Uh, and then ability to grasp difficult concepts. Yeah, I can remember in school, oftentimes in classes, when you know what this said, difficult concepts would come up, and I I would get sort of frustrated that the class would get stuck on talking about the concept because people were trying to understand it and I would just grasp it and be like, I just, can we move on to the next thing? Because it it would be frustrating for me that people didn't get it. I mean, whatever it was like, you know, abstract concepts or whatever. Uh, I, I do find that I generally have some ability in that area to grasp things on certain levels. Um, I'm trying to say this carefully. I don't want to come across like I'm being an asshole or being stuck up or tooting my own horn or anything, but you know, I also don't think, I think also people, we have this weird thing in our society where we're not allowed to talk about intelligence, but I view it the same way you would speak about athletic ability. Like if you can run fast and you're like in track and field and you're competing and you're a fast runner and everybody knows it because you're getting good times on the track and you're competing at a high level there's nothing wrong with saying I'm a decent runner if you're walking around saying I'm the fastest runner in the world and no one can beat me well you're gonna at some point get your hat handed to you and you're being an asshole but if you there's if I'm having a conversation with you and I go hey man you're a fast runner you don't have to go no I'm not because it's like, well, yeah, you are. We both know it. So that's like false modesty, and that's just stupid. So there's some. It's okay to say I'm an okay runner, but we don't have the same thing in other areas. Like if you say like, hey, you're really smart, and someone's like, oh no, I'm not. Like you're not allowed to talk about it because it's gonna make other people feel bad. But I don't feel bad that I'm not a fast runner. Like it's someone else being a fast runner does not make me feel bad about myself so at the same way like I don't think anyone should feel bad about anyone else acknowledging that they have any other abilities or or gifts or talents like whether it's uh, a high high intelligence or memory recall or whether it's artistic gifts like like being able to paint or or, or dance or something like some people are just gifted in different areas I think for some reason our, we're socialized to think that we're not allowed to talk about intelligence there's nothing wrong with not being in like high levels of intelligence just like there's nothing wrong with not being able to be a chef 
You might be an average cook. No one's going to say you need to feel bad about yourself because you're not a, a, an amazing chef. So anyway, I don't have a problem with saying, yeah, I, 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 I you know, can grasp concepts and I have that ability. And I, I'm intelligent and I can understand things that a lot of people don't. Um, and that's just the way it is. And anyway, but that's the end of that list. That's 10 things. So of those 10, I probably said yes or a partial yes to pretty much all of them. So this is like to go to this question this person asked of, of how do I know I have, um, you know, Asperger's or autism spectrum disorder. It's like everything I look at can, tells me that I do. Like, you know, taking the AQ tests and they say if you have 33 or higher score out of 50, Asperger's is likely and then I score 46 on that test so I'm like okay I'm up there I get three of my friends to take it and they all score like around 20 I'm like okay so that's a pretty big indicator for me so which then gets frustrating also because then everything I read written by other people with Asperger's or high functioning autism you know I read these articles and, and books written by these people and I just go holy shit this is exactly how I think and feel this is totally my life I relate to this 100% this is me this is my diagnosis this is what I have awesome I finally know what it is I finally can like search seek out these tools I need to like work on my life and and and, and get the functionality that I lack in my ability to just live and, and then and then it's frustrating when you, I then go to I'm trying to go to professionals to for whatever reason give me that stamp and and then get that met with a sort of dismissal or or something and, and you know that can be frustrating and I know I've spoken to a bunch of you about that and that have gone through the same struggles and had these appointments with doctors and, and trying to you know get these diagnoses and, and going oh yeah and just being met with you know being dismissed or, or something like that so anyway that's that um i'm just looking up here if i have any more uh questions on the old on the old instagrammer here i think i had a couple here but um yeah here it was that was what made you think you you were autistic that's from instagram um Here's one from Autism Dads. I want to shout out Autism Dads Instagram. Um, it's just at Autism Dads. Really great account I've been following, and, and they're posting lots of cool stuff. And and actually, they I won a little contest they did a while back, and they sent me a T-shirt, which I'm pretty stoked about. But just a cool con- thing. But they're, they're, here's a question from them: Is what advice would you give to parents of children on the spectrum? Do you have examples from your childhood where your parents could have adjusted their approach to support you better? Uh, yeah. Uh, fuck, where to start? I mean, the biggest thing I can say, and this is actually funny because so, I saw this post on another autism Facebook page recently, and I'm sorry I don't remember which one, so I, I'd shout you out if I could. But the post was something along the lines of, like, what's the biggest thing you want from neurotypicals to, like, support you? And I was scrolling through the comments and 90% of the comments, I, I, it was funny because I saw it and I just typed my comment and my comment was just patience and understanding. Hit, hit the send button 
And then I started scrolling through the other comments and like 90% of them were patience and understanding, patience and understanding, patience and understanding. And that's exactly it. That's what we want. That's the only thing I want from people is like just when we're having an interaction and it's not going the way most of your interactions go with neurotypical people, like I'm not understanding you or I'm reacting in a weird way to something you said or did or I'm saying something and you're not understanding what I'm saying because I'm saying it weird or there's some awkwardness or some kind of like just disconnect in the way we're communicating. I, if you, this is like part of the reason why I'm sort of coming out with this is so I want people I interact with to know that I'm autistic so that when these situations happen and there is this awkwardness or this weirdness or this like just weird reactions or or whatever that instead of getting like pissed off or frustrated or going man that guy's a weirdo or like you know what the hell's he doing or like he doesn't he never gets the joke or something like that just go oh he's autistic like that makes sense that and then then you can approach that with compassion because you can understand and I said this, um, I think I posted this a while, but, but a while back, but when you are frustrated with me because I don't understand you or there's something in the situation that's like, is, is I don't understand. So I'm getting you to like repeat yourself a bunch of times or explain it or have to explain it again and again and again, because I just don't understand. And you're getting frustrated with me. Like the only thing I ask for you from you is for patience and understanding because as frustrated as you are getting with me, please understand that I live my whole life in that place of frustration of not understanding the people around me. And, 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 and like how, how many times a day in conversations do I just pretend I know what's going on, hoping I'll figure it out later just so I don't have to ask somebody for like the 18th time to explain what they really mean you know like it's really hard it's really hard I don't we don't it's like we speak a different language or it's like we speak an incomplete language because they say what like 70% of communication is is nonverbal it's like body language and expressions and gestures so if 70% of communication is nonverbal then when you talk to me, I'm only understanding 30% of the communication. So think about that. Think about, uh, let's like say we take a a book and you white out 70% of the text in that book and then I read that book. At the end of that book, you've read the book with 100% of the text and I read it with 30% of the text. And then we have a conversation about that book. Like, I don't understand that book in the same way you do. I might get some of it. I might have sort of an idea of what's happening and what some of the characters are and what they're doing and some of the events that occurred and maybe a bit of the overall theme I might understand, but there's so much I'm just not going to get. So, I mean, that's the biggest thing that I would say... I want from people and this is why I'm at a point in my life where I'm not I'm not pretending to be normal anymore I'm not pretending to be neurotypical anymore I'm gonna wear a fucking t-shirt that says autistic and, and I don't give a shit because hey you're talking to a person who's autistic and I want you to know that 
and I want you to have patience and understanding with me and I'm going to try my best to have patience and understanding with you and that's cool and I think you know the question for the autism dad's account here is what advice would you give parents and I don't really have examples from my childhood because back then nobody knew what the hell was going on and you know I think I think if if autism was being diagnosed back then I would have been diagnosed at a ch- in childhood and, and my family would have you know we would have had you know kids today they get a diagnosis and then there's counselors and people in the schools and, and, and doctors who know about it and can help the families figure out what to do in, in my day we didn't have that so but the thing I would tell you what advice to give to parents of children on the spectrum is patience and understanding your kid when they have a meltdown they're not just being a brat and throwing a tantrum they're having like a physical and emotional response to being like having like a sensory overload or like an inability to process their emotions healthily like all this stuff and like when they're when they're not understanding what's going on around them they're not they're not being obtuse they're not being they're not trying to annoy you like they're just legit like they're confused and they don't understand and they don't get it so just support them just let them know they're loved let them know they're accepted let them know they're supported be patient as you can i know it's fucking hard patience is one of the hardest things in the world especially when you're a parent and you're dealing with so much stress every day it's really tough but just try give yourself a break when you need it but just i mean tell that kid make that kid know that they're accepted that they're loved that you're doing your best to understand them even though you can't really um but and then learn as much as you can just get educated as much as you can know that like if they're getting annoyed by the tag in their shirt or there's certain things they can't touch or certain materials that trigger them response like you know when I was a kid I I hated touching wooden spoons in the kitchen because that rough texture would like shoot needles up my arm you know Or, or like even now like I can't touch anything oily or greasy like it just fucks me up I can't even explain what it does to me but if I get oil on my skin I just freak the fuck out and I just like I have to get rid of it and I and I scrub and scrub and scrub and I feel like I can't ever I can't get it off and it just f- fucks me up and and I don't know what that is and you know I I've had people just be like oh you're just being a baby you're just overreacting or you're just being stupid and it's like well no I'm not like this is a, a real fucking thing so if I and I I got no reason to lie I, why would I make up that oil fucks me up or that like touching oil fucks up my like oil on my skin like fucks with me why would I make that up it doesn't make sense and the other thing you know on that topic is like uh, I would say most and I've read this too like people on the spectrum we don't really lie a lot we're pretty damn honest and if we tell you something is fucking with us we're not just making shit up to fuck with you. It's like, because we don't think that way. We don't live in a world where we, we tr- are just trying to fuck with people. Like, we're legit saying, this is fucking me up, and I can't handle it. I can't deal with it. Um, so, anyway, yeah. Patience and understanding. That's the big one. Please, please, please try to have that with people. No one, no one, uh, I don't know. It's hard. I feel for you parents out there going through this um 
anyway, I guess that's it for today, guys. Um, just, it was interesting reading that and seeing like 90% of those comments saying patience and understanding because it is the biggest thing. And, and I don't know what else there is to say about it, but I just, I just think it's so important. And that's, again, that's why I'm just going, being open with this now, coming out the closet, proudly wearing a fucking hat that says I'm autistic and I don't give a fuck because I don't anymore. I spent my whole life hiding, my whole life mimicking, my whole life masking, my whole life pretending, my whole life trying to be everyone else. And it's exhausting and it's hard and and I keep failing at it because I can't be like everyone else because I'm not like everyone else. So at this point, I'm just going to be like, well, fuck it. This is what it is. This is who I am. I'm not hiding anymore. I'm going to let my ticks show. I'm going to, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to stim and I'm going to do what I need to do and I'm going to stutter and I'm going to do all this shit that I've spent all my life suppressing and hiding and masking and I'm just not. And, and those of you who are patient and understanding with me, that's awesome and I appreciate it and, and I hope to have great relationships with as many people as I can in this world and those of you who, if that makes you uncomfortable, ah, whatever, you know, that's what it is. But, you know, for those kids, just, yeah. I think it's really cool that we're at a place now where there are adults that can communicate this stuff that can help parents understand. Because especially the kids who are, like, nonverbal and stuff, you know, maybe the, there are um, parents that can get some idea what's going on. Um, that's one of the things I want to do with this support group I want to start is be able to have adult autistics uh, offer support to parents of autistic kids in whatever ways we can. I don't know what that's going to look like yet. I don't think I've even talked in the podcast about the support group yet, but I, I'm working on starting one in my area. We'll talk about it more later. Um, I'm coming up on an hour, so I got to go. Thanks for listening. I love you all. I appreciate you. Thank you. Please share the podcast if you can. Leave comments. Write me messages. You can go on the Anchor app and actually send me uh, an audio message, and then I can play that on the podcast. I'd love to do it. Uh, Once again, it's Facebook and Instagram, at Adulting with Asperger's. I'm Ryan. Thank you so much for listening. It means the world to me. Getting messages from from all of you just is so cool. It feels so great. It makes me feel like I'm not alone, and I can't thank you enough. Um, So, yeah, once again, thanks a lot. I love you. Peace, love, Asperger's. the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTER Exclusions apply. See site for details. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.